Hi, and welcome back to the Multifaceted Athlete with Coaching Lutz. I'm your host, Kelly Lutz. I am a USGA certified running and ultra running coach and certified strength and conditioning specialist. I am so excited to have you here today. We'll be talking all about running, aspects of running, strength training, and anything else that makes us humans who do sports. So let's dive right into this episode. I hope you love it. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another week of the Multifaceted Athlete. I am so excited for all of you out there to listen to this episode. I have another guest on this episode and we are talking about one of my favorite topics, strength training. So this week on the podcast, I asked Jason Fitzgerald from Strength Running to join me. He is the founder of Strength Running. He has his own podcast called The Strength Running Podcast. Some of you may be familiar. So many resources out there. Jason has so much knowledge and experience. So I was really excited to have him on to talk all about strength training, how we can fit strength training into our running training, why we should, um, shifting our mindset from runners to athletes, thinking about training in terms of running and strength training for long-term and longevity, which was a good portion of our conversation because as you all have heard me talk about, yes, I want you to strength train for your running, but I also want you to strength train because you are a human and it helps you in a lot of other facets of your life, especially as you're aging. So we touched on that a lot, which I was really excited about. And yeah, before I keep rambling on and pumpkin keeps meowing in the background of this intro, I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Please let us know how you like it. I feel like there are so many other topics I could have Jason on to talk about. So yeah. With that, enjoy my conversation with Jason Fitzgerald. (laughs) Welcome back to another week of the Multifaceted Athlete. This week, we're going to talk some more about strength training. So, of course, I had to have Jason Fitzgerald from Strength Running on the podcast. We've already been talking for like 23 minutes, so I'm sorry you missed out on that. But this is going to be such a good conversation Jason has so much knowledge and he's just awesome. So Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for a great intro, Kelly. I appreciate it. And yeah, we we probably should have recorded the first 20, 25 minutes of this, this chat because it was so fun. I know this happens every episode, but one day we will learn. But while I have you here, let's start with how did you get into strength training? Because you started strength running back in 2010. So you have known the importance of strength training for running for quite some time. But in your own journey, how did that happen? Um, Because you were telling me you don't actually like strength training, which is maybe a shock to some people listening who know you. (laughs) Yeah, like I'm a runner. I like to run. I would prefer to, to run for an hour rather than do 25 minutes worth of strength training. So I don't actually think I'm different than most other runners in that way. I'm just a runner through and through. I'd rather be out there on the trail or or doing some fun workout rather than on lifting weights. You know, I did not start with strength training as early as I should have. I have this very specific memory of running with one of my high school friends. And I was a cross country and track athlete in high school And he was not a runner. He was a cyclist. He did some climbing. 
uh, very athletic guy. And he was telling me, hey, you should do some weightlifting, especially for your legs. It's going to make you a better runner. And I just sort of brushed him off. And I said, that's just silly. I get enough exercise for my legs with all the running that I do. And, you know, at the time I thought I was somewhat competitive for my age. And I was like, clearly I'm in good shape. I feel somewhat strong. So I don't really think I need strength training. My God, was I wrong. I was so wrong in that way. And knowing what I know now, I wish I had started strength training in high school, but I didn't really start until maybe the very end of my college career. And I didn't get consistent with it until years after I graduated with college. Because, you know, I graduated college in 2006. I ran my first marathon in 2008. It was the New York City Marathon. And it went okay. I wasn't like super thrilled with my time. I had a very cliche experience of hitting the wall at mile 20. Every mile got slower and slower. I think mile 25, the senior citizen just flew by me and just completely humbled me right there. And I was like, okay, the marathon is difficult. This is really hard. But Getting back into training after that race, I had only gone running a couple times, you know, in the few weeks after the New York City Marathon. And all of a sudden, like my knee started to hurt. And that began a six month IT band syndrome injury that just kept me out of running for a really long time. I went and saw four physical therapists. I didn't run for about six months. Uh, I was just sort of depressed and spent a lot of time on the couch watching reruns of House. And it was just a, just a really depressing time period in my life. And I just thought to myself, look, you love running. If you ever want to do this again at any sort of capacity, you need to figure this problem out. So I finally, on my fourth physical therapist, really found uh, a PT who, who knew their stuff and was able to get me healthy. So I, I think tip number one is to find a PT who's also either a runner or specializes in runners so that they understand the sport and the demands on your body. But when I started getting back into training after that ITBS injury, I realized I need to start doing something a little bit different with my training because I had always been a fairly injury-prone runner, especially my college career. I was injured all the time. You know, I had Achilles tendinopathy. This was my second bout with IT band syndrome, plantar fasciitis. I had SI joint problems various muscle strains. The list just goes on. And I was tired of it. I just wanted to escape this chronic cycle of injuries and just enjoy my running, feel good when I went out there and ran and just get in like a more consistent training cycle. And so that's when I really started being a lot more consistent with strength training was in the aftermath of that big injury and trying to get back into shape. Because taking six months off left me in pretty poor shape compared with where I was before New York City. And it took about another six months of training just to sort of claw my way back to that original baseline level of fitness that I had before. And, and I think the biggest change that I made in my training was that, number one, I did a dynamic warm-up before every single run. I was religious about this dynamic warm-up. And that introduced some level of consistency with some strength training because, you know, there's some light strength exercises included in that warm up. But the other thing that I did was I started adding a 10, 15, maybe 20 minute body weight strength session after each of my runs. 
So now I sort of started thinking differently about my training. I wasn't just going to run. I was always going to sandwich my run in between a dynamic warm-up and a post-run core or strength workout. And that's why I started with strength training, was just sort of using this sandwiching method here of, of making sure that all of my runs were preceded by that warm-up and then ended with some type of core strength work. That was a complete game changer for me. And I've really only had, I would say, two relatively minor injuries since like 2009. Uh, so it's been a really long time where I haven't like had any major injuries. Now, the caveat there is I haven't really trained at the level that I was training back then from like 2016 onwards. So, you know, you can kind of cheat with that metric and, and say, oh, I haven't been injured. It's like, well, I'm running three times, uh, you know, a th three times less than what I was. So it's a little easier to stay healthy when your training level drops by that volume. But from 2009 through 2015, I probably had one or two minor injuries. I was back on the road fairly quickly. And that sold me. I mean, from, from an injury prone runner to then being able to run 85, 90 miles a week without any big injuries. And, you know, I, I went and I ran a, a marathon PR and I just had this great comeback and just thought to myself, wow, this is how running should feel like. So even though I don't want to do this strength training, I realize how valuable it is because it lets me do the thing that I love and that's running. I think your experience is a really common one in that a lot of runners they like know they should be strength training, but then it takes some big injury to be the catalyst for them to actually start strength training, partially because, you know, you can't run as much. And then it's like, oh, I have time to actually do strength training and partially like I never want to be in this situation again. Um, I want to go back for a second. Did you run in college? Yeah, I did three seasons of track and cross country in college. So I did was you strength train. We did uh, some very basic stuff in cross country. Now you have oh. to understand this was between the years of 2002 through 2006. So it was sort of before this big wave of, of what we know now that strength training is so valuable for endurance runners. So there was a little bit in cross country. Uh, we were assigned weightlifting in track, but I don't want to say it was optional, but Nobody was really making sure we did it, and most people didn't really do it. Okay, that makes sense because I ran two years in college, but it was 2010 and 2011, and it was just part of our cross training or cross country training. Um, Tuesday, Thursday after our morning run, we'd go to the weight room. Um, so I was kind of surprised that you didn't have that same experience, but that makes sense with the time difference because I know it was quite a boom when I was coming up and running. It was like all over runner's world and this is what you do now kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I think it, it just reflects the type of coach we had who was a little bit more old school, you know, very much proponent of high mileage running and, mm -hmm. you know, just working hard, but, but not with the strength training. And a couple of years after we graduated, you know, they put in a whole new gym. So now there's this amazing fancy facility at my old school. And now I'm pretty sure the track team is in there all the time. So things have changed for sure. Yeah, for the better. Um, I want to go back to your sandwiching. You were talking about that. You mentioned it on the Healthy Running podcast that I just listened to last week too. And I was intrigued. 
Um, it reminds me a lot of habit stacking. Um, and I think it is a good way to start dipping your toe into strength and just like making it more of a habit. I'm curious for your warm up. What are some of your favorite moves? The dynamic warm up. I would say if I had to choose my two favorite moves, so if we were to distill the warm up into like a three minute routine that I think anybody can do before mm-hmm. every run is a series of lunges and then a series of leg swings. Super simple. We don't have to, you know, turn into an acrobat or do any sort of crazy <laughs> movements that, that, you know, gymnasts only do. So what I love, what I love is doing a series of lunges and you can do forward lunges you can do a forward lunge with a twist. You can do lateral lunges. There's also diagonal lunges where you sort of go behind you at an angle. And then finally, backwards lunges. And that's really going to open up your, your hips and build a little bit of extra strength. But what it's mostly going to do is metabolically prime you for the run. So there's a lot of great reasons why we want to go out there and do a dynamic warm-up before all of our runs, even our easy recovery runs. I think there's immense value to doing this kind of a dynamic warm-up beforehand. Uh, and then the leg swings just help with mobility. They help, you know, especially if you're running after work and you're sitting down for hours and hours at a time. This kind of a warm-up helps you bridge the gap between sedentary and running. So, you know, there's always going to be this ramp up period, whether we're looking at progression in your deadlift or progression with you running long runs, or even a progression of you going from sitting down at your job to out there on the track doing a workout. We've got to sort of ease your way into it. And the first step is that dynamic warm up. So, if you can do that, which probably takes, I would say, three to four minutes you're going to get like 80 to 90% of all of the benefits of a warm up plus you're you're adding a bunch of extra strength training to your schedule so it it to me it's a low cost low time investment high benefit activity that's going to reduce your injury risk it's going to improve your performance when you go out there running and it's just going to make you feel better you know i think anybody who is hesitant about this. It's like, okay, just do it for two weeks. Now I say two weeks because the first week you might be a little bit sore. You might, you know, feel it in your legs a little bit, but once you begin this kind of a routine before you run, you're going to feel a little bit warmer when you start. You're going to feel a little bit more coordinated. Like you just feel a little bit smoother. You have more grace in your stride. And that first mile is not going to be so much of a struggle. So if you just don't really feel good, the first 10, 15 minutes of your run, do a dynamic warm up beforehand and you're probably going to feel so much better. Yeah, I totally agree. And I was one of the people who did not do a dynamic warm up until I was like, probably when I started coaching, honestly, <laughs> two years ago. Um, but yeah, I noticed such a difference. And I feel like even just having the warm up, once it becomes consistent, I feel like it like signals to my brain, like, oh, we're going to be running now. And it like, it serves kind of as, you know, as the commute does between like home and work and that transition. I think it's a nice uh, transition between whatever you're doing before and like getting into running mode. Yeah, that's a good point, too, because like I, I think, you know, I, I kept calling it like a ramp up period. You're calling it a transition. You know, they're, they're exactly the same here. And we have to think like this because it's really going to help us bridge that gap. 
And, you know, if you're going out to do, let's say, a faster workout and you're doing it after work, after, say, sitting at your computer for eight hours, it is even more important to do a warm up before that kind of a higher, higher intensity run, just because, you know, you're asking so much more of your body metabolically. You're also asking your muscles to produce more power and have stronger contractions. You're going to be going through a wider range of motion. So before you do that, you know, a warm up is really going to help you feel better. You know, if you got off the couch and then started running six minute pace, that's an extreme, <laughs> it's an extreme example, but it's going to show you that, wow, your body is absolutely not warmed up for this. And, and we've got to have that transition there to help. Yeah. And so then going back to the other end of the sandwich, what are some of your favorite exercises to do when you get back from a run? So when you come back for a run, I think the, the whole point of this post-run core or strength session is, is a couple, right? So there's a couple goals that we want to work on, and that's going to influence what exercises we choose. So number one is, yes, we actually do want to get stronger. Number two, we want to get stronger in a way that is going to help our running. So that means, you know, we don't really need to do a bodybuilder workout. Um, if we're doing like P90X or a really intense CrossFit workout of the day, that's also probably not the best thing that we can be doing. Uh, the other thing that our core or strength workout is designed to do is just act as a cool down. And I think anybody who's finished a long run or a workout, and then like you get, you get in your house and you sit down in a chair, you get distracted by your phone. And next thing you know, you've been sitting down, hunched over your phone for 30 minutes after a workout. When you get up out of that chair, you're going to feel terrible. You are going to feel like you've aged 20 to 40 years. <laughs> and so we need that cool down. We need some sort of movement to bridge the gap on the other side of the run. Yeah, we want to go from sedentary to running, but then we need to go from running to sedentary or he's running to somewhat active. And so the cool down or I'm sorry, the strength workout after the run acts as a cool down in that way. So we really should be working on range of motion as well. So some of my favorite exercises are some of the basics, you know, and I'll, I'll certainly encourage runners not to get super fancy with their strength training. You know, there's a time and a place to do some of the fancier stuff, but the basics, the fundamentals will get you 90% of the way there. So anything like squats, lunges, uh, deadlifts, single leg deadlifts, pushups, planks, those are some of the basics and, and they work really well. The other great thing about all these exercises is that there's all these variations of these exercises. So there's not just one type of squat. There's like 10 types of squats. And that's true with planks. That's true with push-ups. So you can get a lot done physically with some of these basic exercises. The other thing that I think is just helpful for runners to know is that like, we don't expect you as coaches, you know, I, I don't expect you to go invent your own strength workout. Like that's kind of difficult. It's sort of like saying, what's your favorite repetition length or interval distance? It's like, well, sort of depends on how it's all put together, right? So I would encourage anybody who wants to start with this just to just to follow a 10 or 15 or 20 minute routine. So just do something like, and I have so many of these on the strength running blog, like the standard core routine, the ITB rehab routine, 
the MACE single leg workout. These are all just 10 or 15 minute strength workouts that you can just start doing and just plug them right into your training. So you don't have to, you know, figure out what exercises to do. You don't have to figure out the rest or recovery or, you know, when to vary the routine. You can just put a bunch of these in your training. And and that just takes a lot of the guesswork out of things. Because I've found that that's one of the biggest issues with adherence with runners and strength training is that they don't want to figure out their strength training every day. They sort of just want a one and done solution, something easy, a plug and play, if you will, type of strength training where, oh, this is a routine. I'm going to do this one twice a week. Oh, this is another great routine. I'm going to do this twice a week as well. And next thing you know, you're rotating through three or four routines over the course of the week and you're building core strength, you're building running specific uh, leg strength in the, the glutes and hips, some of the muscles that are really important for runners. So definitely, definitely don't reinvent the wheel. Just find some good routines. I know I have a bunch, Kelly, I'm sure you have some that work really well for runners and you can just start using them in your training. Yeah. I feel like one of the biggest barriers, like you're saying, and the question I get so much is like, which exercises should I be doing specifically for running or like, what do I, what should I be doing? Um, and yeah, just like Jason's saying, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. There's a lot out there. Um, strength running, great resource, highly recommend. But I think the first step is just committing to doing it and then fitting it in with your running. I think your sandwich method is a great way to start just because we're already going running. We might as well tack on something else to the end of it. Um, but one note about that, that I know I've struggled with before is it like, say I'm going for a 30 minute run and then I want to implement this sandwich method. I need to change my mindset to be like, okay, instead of a 30 minute run, this is now going to be like a 45 minute window that I'm taking up. Um, and that helps me a lot because I know before I'd be like, okay, I have my 30 minutes to run. And then I get back and be like, oh, shoot, my next thing is in, you know, 10 minutes. I still need to shower. I need to eat. And then it's like, well, now I don't have time for that half of my sandwich. Um, So do you have any tips actually that are different from what I just mentioned that would help someone implement the sandwich method? I do get this fairly frequently. And the the little secret here is that you don't actually have to do that post-run core or strength workout right after your run. Mm. I would love it if you did. I think that's the ideal scenario, you know, the perfect, if you could, you know, build the perfect training plan, if there is such a thing, you would probably do it right after the, um, the run, right? But like you said, most people just either don't have the time or their schedule is such that they they have to go run off to their next thing. I think as long as you're getting that routine in, whatever that workout or routine is, at some point later in the day, you're getting 99% of the value of that. So what I usually Mm -hmm. tell runners is, okay, you finish your run, you got something else coming up, you don't have time to do this 15-minute workout. Take a minute or two minutes, and just do a couple exercises that make you personally feel good. So for me, I usually get hip tightness. So if I only have a couple minutes, I might do uh, a glute bridge, then some side leg swings, and like the pigeon pose. I just might pick a couple things like that for me to, okay, I'm going to feel good after that. 
And then later in the day, whenever you have time, maybe it's your lunch hour, maybe it's right after work, maybe it's in the evening where you know, you're kind of done with your day, you put on the TV in the living room, and then you lay on the ground and you do your, your 15 minute core workout. Then doing the full workout later in the day, it's still acting as a cool down in a way because it's before your next run, right? So mm-hmm. you're still going to feel a lot better the next day because you did this strength workout the day before. After all, it's body weight. It's not so hard that you're going to be like sore or anything, especially after you've done it a couple times and are a little bit more used to it. So just knowing that you don't have to do it right away, that the workout is not lost. You did not mess anything up just because you didn't do it right after your run. You can do it later in the day. And and that's totally fine. You know, I I actually think when we did the track workout last August for Mm -hmm. Endeavor Run, we had some pro runners with us. We had Kate Grace. We had a couple other pros that are escaping my memory right now, but they were actually talking about going and doing their strength workout, but that was separated by like an hour and a half between the end of their workout And then they kind of, you know, mingled with us and, you know, we took some pictures and all that kind of cool stuff, did some drills. And then they went and they did their workout. So they're sort of doing the same thing. They're like, okay, we have a strength workout after our running workout. We should be doing it right afterwards, but hey, we got this Endeavor Run thing. Let's hang out with Kelly and Jason, and then we'll go to the weight room and, and do our workout. So as long as you're getting it in some point in the day later on, I think that's fine. Unless you're doing double sessions, you don't want to do like a weightlifting workout right before your next run. That probably isn't a great idea for most runners, but for 99% of runners, just get it in at some point later in the day. And that makes it a lot easier. Yeah, definitely. A thing I see a lot is like the all or nothing mentality, which I'm sure you've seen a lot too, where runners are you know, they can't do it perfectly. So then they don't do it at all. And something I've heard you say a lot, which I agree with is something is better than nothing. So I really like that advice because it just makes it a lot more flexible. So you can apply it to your own life rather than rigid and trying to, you know, fit it into your life that doesn't really work with that. Well, I'm glad you said that because I was going to say that something is (laughs) better than nothing. Like if you're doing no strength training, just get in a little bit. You know, just start now, start building the habit, start changing, you know, the way you think about your training. Like you are, of course, you're a runner. I always like to say, look, don't actually call yourself a runner. You are an athlete that specializes in running. And that does change your mindset a little bit. That makes you Mm -hmm. think that, okay, I'm an athlete that specializes in running, but that also means I need to do some other things now. Now I need to do some drills. I need to do some dynamic flexibility work. Yes, I need to do some strength training. If I'm getting really into this, maybe I do some weightlifting in the gym. Uh, Maybe I get into some cross training. You know, there's lots of different ways to think about building your fitness. And if you're so pigeonholed into this idea that I'm a runner, I run, that's the only thing I do, it's probably going to limit your overall development over time. Yeah. And I think, I mean, this is the multifaceted athlete podcast. So I think having more than just running going on in your life, whether it's like within your training or outside of training is really important, especially when if like you do come across an injury and then if running is the only thing you do and have, then you're going to struggle a lot um, when that piece is missing. So even just having the strength training, the cross training, um, and then every other thing you do in your life that is not 
athletics related is very important, I think. I do a lot of playground fitness. So I, nice. uh, I play really hard on the playground with my kids. And uh, I actually had a fun conversation on, on my podcast with Nick Willis. He's like one of the best 1500 meter runners in the world ever. I think he's gone over 20 years running a sub four mile. And, wow. and we were talking about how he has never been more sore after playing on the playground with his kids. This is a dude that's run a sub four mile every year for 20 years, right? Like he's an amazing athlete and you can actually get in an amazing workout on a playground. Now, the other parents are probably going to think you're a complete nutcase, but I'm okay with that. And uh, we have a great time on the playground. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I imagine you might make some new parent friends who want to join in with you and then you won't look so crazy. Nobody has joined me yet. But I think I'm going to start extending invitations and uh, see how that goes. Yeah, you can call it just Jason's boot camp on the playground. <laughs> if you follow me on Strava and you see a playground fitness entry, that's what I'm doing. Oh, I do yeah. follow you on Strava. I try to keep my heart rate like in a in a high zone one, low zone two effort for the whole time, which is a little <laughs> bit challenging. I have to do some running just around the playground over and over again, but mm -hmm. it, it's great. Yeah. And swings are so fun. I've forgotten how fun they are. Oh, love swings. I mean, how can you go wrong with a swing? I love uh, jumping off the swing. Never done a flip off a swing because I'm kind of a, I'm kind of risk averse in that way, but That's fair. yeah, I just like to go fast. So getting really high in a swing and then flying off of it is just <laughs> such a thrill. Yeah. I like that as a child, but not so much as an adult. Um, I feel like I'm just like too clumsy for that now. Too much could go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so I think this is a good time to go into one of the questions I mentioned before we started recording. When do you think, and this is not a cut and dry answer, when do you think it's worth cutting into your running time to insert strength training for someone who is really time limited? So if you're really time limited, I think the number one thing we should be doing is something, right? Like something's better than nothing. So let's make sure we're getting in some strength training. Even just a little bit is probably going to make you feel so much better that you start rethinking your aversion to strength training. And that's always like the number one, you know, thing that sells strength training to runners, you know, like how do you sell strength training? You just get them doing it regularly so that they are like, they have this epiphany, this realization that, oh my God, I feel so much better. I cannot go back to the old way of doing things. So understanding that you've got to do something. If you are, if you literally have no extra time to devote to your training, we probably should cut back on some mileage so that you can get in some uh, some types of strength training. So what I would probably recommend is, is number one, let's add some types of running into our training that mimic the benefits of strength training. So now I'm not even actually talking about strength training. I'm talking about things like hill workouts, hill sprints, uh, hill strides. They're all somewhat different a little bit. Um, high mileage is actually a very strength building activity if you can do it 
regularly and, and, and in a healthy way. It's the building up to that high mileage that's risky. But once you're there, it's, it's very protective. So if you're training and, and you're, you're running on hills, you're doing uphill strides or hill sprints, you're doing some hill workouts when it's appropriate in your training, you're getting a lot of strength benefits and you're not even doing any strength training. So for me, that is, that's a great way to almost cheat a little bit. Like let's, let's get some strength training in without actually doing any strength training. Um, but now that we're actually looking at this athlete and we're saying, okay, I know you're doing all this hill work. You're, you are strong. There's no doubt about it. Especially if you're a fast runner, if you're not doing any strength training, you are by definition strong. You cannot be fast and weak at the same time. So if you are training really well, but still not getting in any formal strength training, I would say, let's maybe cut five miles off of your weekly volume and replace that time with some strength training. So let's just say this runner's easy pace for ease of math is about eight minutes a mile. So this five miles that we're cutting off of their weekly mileage is about 40 minutes. Let's do two 20-minute strength workouts per week. I think this approach is probably the best approach for the runner who just doesn't have any time. Like if you are, if you're running 40, 50 miles a week, let's just cut some miles off and do the strength training. Because what the strength training is going to do is it's going to help you train more consistently over time. You're going to get injured less frequently the injuries that you do experience are just going to be more minor in, in, in scope and scale. So instead of a season ending injury, you might have an injury where you only need to take off a week and do some cross training and then you're right back at it. Or, you know, that week long injury that you normally would have gotten now is only one or two days off and you're, you're pretty much back to normal. So it does reduce the amount of time that you typically need to recover from any other injuries that you could get. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's basically how I would structure it. And then and then you know, the devil's in the details. Like what are we what are we doing for those 20 minutes? Mm -hmm. Uh is this an athlete that is training for ultra marathons? Are they training for the 5K? We probably want to do some different types of strength training for those two types of athletes. Uh and then, you know, what is your comfort with strength training? Are you someone who's never done any kind of strength training at all ever? You know, I say the word lunge and you have to go look it up in a dictionary. Okay, well, maybe let's start with some body weight strength training basics. We don't have to do anything fancy. But if you are someone who's been doing some strength training regularly, let's get into the gym. Let's let's do 20 minutes of squats and deadlifts and the bench press or, or a, a military press, something like that, where, you know, it's lower body focused, but it's still a whole body type of workout. And that runner probably won't experience any kind of detraining from the reduction in volume, but they are going to experience a lot more injury resiliency. They're going to be stronger. They're probably going to be more powerful. And those things are really going to help this runner in the long term. So what I'm discussing right now is not the way to get better in a month or two. It's the way to get better in a year or two. And I'm very much in favor of, of trying to get runners to think a little bit more long-term and this whole strength training topic is definitely a way to think long-term. And, you know, I could go into longevity as well. You know, I'm going to be 40 this year, which is, is a little bit of a knock on my youthful identity, <laughs> but, uh, now I recognize that 
you know, not just strength training is important, but weightlifting is important. So there's a lot of other reasons to get in this kind of work, especially if you're an older person. You know, if you're 40 or older, we've got to be doing some weightlifting. It's so important, not just for our running, but for longevity, for, you know, building some muscle mass so that, you know, we're a little bit more resilient as we age. That's something that I'm thinking about a lot because I'm your very cliche, stereotypical runner's body. I'm just super thin. It's the way I've always been. And and I know that, you know, I don't want to be a 70-year-old, super thin, you know, rail-thin runner. I kind of want a little bit more mass on me just in case I fall down, in case I have to go into the hospital. So I'm, I'm definitely thinking long-term now as a human as well as a runner. Yeah, and I think that's especially important. I'm only 32, but I also am thinking similarly for the long-term, and especially as a woman because – our bone mineral density is really important and like strength training helps a lot with that. And especially like um, my grandma's had, well, I guess she's not here with us anymore, but she had two hip surgeries when she was older. And like, I don't want to be one of those old women who falls over, breaks her hip, has to get it replaced and then falls over again, gets the other one replaced. So yeah, I really like everything you just said about longevity and not just focusing on how can strength training make me better at running because at the end of the day, we're humans and we live for a long time and we need help in those areas too and not just for our athletics, um, which is something I try to uh, get across to everyone. But yeah, I feel like yeah. our mutual friend Amanda Brooks talks about it a lot too as someone a little older than I am too. Yeah, it's a good point to recognize too that we should be doing things in our running training that help us in other areas of our lives. And, and most of the things we do as runners have immense carryover into our personal lives. You know, things like determination, focus, discipline, you know, some of the mental skills that we gain from running, but also, man, I love being in good shape because I can just run up a flight of stairs or, you know, I got to make three trips into the house with a bunch of boxes or bags or something. And it, it doesn't wreck me. You know, I just have the mm -hmm. fitness for that. And so you know, you brought up a really good point of there, there are certain groups of people that need strength training more than others. So like you said, I think it's more important for women to strength train than men. Men have it a little bit easier in this regard because we have more muscle mass to begin with and we have more testosterone. So it's going to be easier for us to not only build muscle, but to maintain muscle. That means women have to work a little bit harder at this. And men can honestly slack off a little bit, especially when we're, when we're in our 20s, maybe in our 30s, where, you know, maybe we don't need as strong of a strength stimulus in our training. But uh, I think women certainly need it more than men. Uh, I think anybody 40 and older needs it more than younger runners. Uh, and then I think if, if you're injury prone or if you're a very performance oriented runner, and I don't, th that doesn't mean you're fast, quote unquote. It just means that you want to improve. You want to get better, whatever your personal bests are. You want to run a distance you've never run before. You want to qualify for Boston. You want to, you know, run under four for the marathon or under three or whatever it is. You know, if you want to improve, if you have a time goal, you're now a performance oriented runner. And so we need to leave no stone unturned and help you really unlock all the benefits of these different types of training. I really like what you just said there about the performance-focused runner because I feel like 
a lot of runners do only think of the performance focused runners as those who are very fast, um, which usually from what I hear is like six minute pace and below. Um, and I like that you're saying if you have a time goal period, if you want to get better period, you are performance focused and like kind of that mindset shift for people out there. Yeah, it's it's a super important mindset shift because it it sort of changes the way you approach your running, right? I, I always like to say that there's a big difference between exercise and training. If you are mm-hmm. someone who runs two or three days a week just because it's healthy, you like to run, you know, that 25, 30 minute run is just your release. I would say you're exercising and and most of the things that we are talking about probably just don't even apply to you. You just keep doing what you're doing. You're getting so many aerobic benefits and all those other benefits from running. But as soon as you start saying to yourself, Hey, I wonder if I could do a 10 K. Okay. Now we have to start training. We, we need, we need overload. We need progression. We need to do things you've never done before because your goal is to do something you've never done before. And, uh, it's just a little bit of a mindset shift. And, and yeah, I, I really appreciate you saying that it's not for just you know, your quote unquote fast runners. Anybody who wants to get better needs to do the things that we coaches know help runners get better. Yeah. And I think if you just look at the pros out there, they're strength training, they're prioritizing recovery, they're training and running. Um, and they're just trying to get better, just like the rest of us out here who are focusing on that. Yeah, they did win the genetic lottery. I wish I got that lottery <laughs> ticket myself, but <laughs> I know sometimes I think about so I only ran 2 years in college, so I like don't really know how fast I could have run cuz I started my junior year and then graduated senior year. And sometimes in my mind I'm like, how good could I have been? Maybe I could have been up there with like you know, Kaylin Tui who is dominating right now. And then I look back at my college times and I'm just like oh, Kelly, you were nowhere near close to them. Like you would need a lot of years maybe to even get close to what they're doing, you know, which is kind of funny to look back on. Yeah, but you know what? That's a question that every runner wrestles with. I wonder Mm -hmm. how good I can be. Or like anyone who finishes a race, within five minutes, they're like, I probably could have run a little bit faster if I did X, Y, Z. You know, if I had run that tangent or if I just believed myself in myself a little bit more in the last 5K or, you know, oh, I decided to take that workout off four weeks ago and and that kind of set me back and all these things start running through your head. And so I think it is a very common runner experience to just have that, that, that little voice in your head that, that pushes you forward, that makes you question how good you can be or how fast you can run. And that's the thing that keeps us moving forward. That's the thing that keeps us training because it's, you know, it's like this never ending project, right? It's almost Mm -hmm. like an infinity game. Have you heard of infinity games? I haven't. It's it's a game where the point of the game is just to keep playing. So politics in a democracy is an infinity game. You don't Mm want to win and end the game because then, Hey, we're not playing democracy anymore. We have a dictatorship Mm -hmm. Uh, or, you know, something like running where I just want to keep running. I don't want to, there's nothing to win. I don't, I don't want to retire. I just like running. I want to keep running and doing races and hanging out with other runners and, you know, going on trail runs and things like that. And if you're not thinking long-term and doing the things that are going to help, help you 
run faster, but also with a with an eye to longevity in the future, you're probably just not going to be staying in the sport too long. Yeah. And we can run for so long if we do all the right things and think about it long term. Like you're saying, like Cities Mag just posted, what was it, a 95-year-old who just ran a 5K, I think it was, which is so cool. I want to be that when I'm 95. Hell yeah. That's so impressive. Yeah, it's amazing. I was just I was just talking to someone on Twitter and he was looking for some anti-aging elixir, which obviously there isn't one, but (laughs) if there was to bring it back to strength training, it would be weightlifting. It would be lifting heavier weights in a gym. That is like the thing that I recommend to anybody who wants longevity in the sport. So I'm glad that we, I'm glad that we could tie our topic of strength training into this broader theme of longevity and just wanting to be able to run for a long time because this is a sport that we love. And even though, like me, many runners probably don't want to be strength training, it's the thing that's going to let you run for decades. And it's probably more important than running when it comes to your overall longevity as a human. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's some, something that I've also did a, maybe a 180 on in the last couple of years is, as I now recognize my favorite form of exercise is not the most important form of exercise in my older years. So as I get older, I'm probably going to transition more and more to being a strength athlete just because I want to, you know, feel good for as long as possible. So yeah, I, I love this is almost like, you know, one of those things that has so many benefits and so few drawbacks. I like to call these performance multipliers, you know, Mm. like you getting nine hours of sleep every night. There's probably not any drawback to that, except, you know, you're losing a little bit of time, but physically there's no drawback. There's only all these amazing benefits and strength training is like one of these performance multipliers. It is going to help your running in a whole myriad ways. And it's also just going to help you in the rest of your life for a very long time. So man, if you're not strength training, let's get started. It's so good for you. Yeah. This is like an ad for strength training. (laughs) (laughs) It's Um, a hard sell to this audience. It's a hard sell. I mean, we're both very big proponents of it. So I'm here for it. I do want to go back to heavy lifting in a bit, but first I know that for a lot of people going to the gym can be one hard to fit in with like getting to and from the gym plus your workout. And two, it can be quite intimidating if you're not used to a gym setting, um, especially for women. And so I wanted to pick your brain a bit on home workouts and what is some of your favorite equipment for home if someone is like not quite ready to go to the gym or not comfortable so that they can still do more than just body weight exercises at home to build some strength and, you know, save some time, get more used to it before diving into going to the gym? Yeah, this is a good question because I think every runner can think of their strength training journey as a progression, right? Like you started running a couple miles before you did a marathon. Before you go and do like a heavy deadlift in the gym, yeah, we can start with some at-home strength workouts that are much more accessible. So I like to see runners get maybe a, just a couple pieces of very basic equipment and, and you can go really far with some basics. So number one, I like to get some bands. 
So, you know, uh, small, medium, uh, uh, difficult resistance on the bands. I, I think you can get like a multi-pack that has some options. And, and this allows you just to add some extra resistance. So any way that you can just add a little bit of resistance to the normal exercises that we've talked about that I think are really beneficial for runners, you're going to be leveling up those exercises. You're going to be progressing, adding in that extra dimension of difficulty. Um, so the bands are super versatile. You can do sideline leg raises. You can do clamshells. You can do all kinds of monster walks. And there's a lot of different exercises you can do with bands um, that I think are super helpful for runners. And, and these things cost like $10. They're super mm-hmm. cheap. Uh, if they break, no big deal. You could just go get another one. Uh, the other thing I like to see is just like, let's get a, a kettlebell or maybe one set of dumbbells. You know, something you can put in your garage. If you have one, you know, you can hide them under the bed. And and these things don't take up a lot of space, but they then add a fair amount of weight that you can add to exercises like squats, deadlifts, lunges, some of the real running specific exercises. And, And just with these implements, you can start really progressing with these exercises in a way that is going to prepare you for the gym if you do decide to get into the gym and do some heavier weightlifting. Now, obviously, if you want that, we do have to get a, a barbell and a squat rack and some plates and, and actually do some, some actual weightlifting with those kinds of implements. But before we do that, before you get into a gym or you outfit your own home gym, we can do a lot at home. Uh, and another piece of equipment that I really like that's super versatile is a medicine ball. So you can get mm-hmm. one or two medicine balls, you know, eight pounds, 10 pounds, maybe 12 pounds. And you can add these to your exercises that you're doing, or you can just do some more medicine ball specific exercises. Um, and, and one of the ways or the reasons why I like a medicine ball is because you can do a lot of twisting motions with a medicine ball. You know, you can just hold it and you can do a twisting lunge. Uh, you can do some power based movements with a medicine ball. So with those couple pieces of, of equipment right there, you could probably get in most strength workouts. And then, you know, you're also just building that foundation upon which you can then go into the gym and lift weights if you decide that's something for you. Yeah, I love that list. I personally like the bands for Monster Walks as part of my dynamic warmup. I find that's really helpful before I run. Um, But yeah, bands are great. Dumbbells, kettlebells. I, I just got slam balls during the pandemic when it first started. And those are really fun because you can do some more of the powerful movements, like actually slam the ball into the ground, which is also very good if you're like angry, you know, so (laughs) multiple uses. (laughs) Yeah. Exercise and therapy. (laughs) Yeah. Which was very needed in 2020. (laughs) So I want to go back to heavy lifting and I'm curious of how you would define heavy lifting. Cause I feel like a lot of runners and people in general have this idea of like, I need to be lifting a barbell with like three plates on each side. And it's like, you got to work up to that, first of all, but your heavy might not be that. And I'm curious just of your thoughts. Heavy weightlifting is relative in the same way that high mileage is relative. It's sort of depending on where you're at in your current fitness level and abilities. So when I say heavy weightlifting, I really mean anything that's that's heavier than what you can do at home with some of the more basic implements that we talked about. So for someone who's never lifted any weights, I would want them to start 
with some weights that aren't actually very heavy. I want you to get used to manipulating the barbell. I want you to get used to doing some of these movements with either just the bar or maybe some very light plates on the sides where you're just getting to know the movement. You're just understanding how your body responds to that movement. Um, so again, it's, it's all about that progression. We don't need to go from couch to marathon. We don't need to go from couch to deadlift. We can do a pretty easy transition to these more challenging workouts. Um, and so, you know, the way I think about weightlifting is, is sort of the same way I think about running. Like if you're going to train for a race, okay, we need a training plan. We got to figure out how you're going to prepare for this race. And, you know, your training plan is going to be periodized in a certain way. There's going to be some progression. Your mileage is probably going to build. Your workouts are probably going to get more challenging over time. And if we're going to be really strategic with our weightlifting, then I think some level of periodization should happen in our weightlifting as well. And so the way that that basically works out is, you know, let's say you have a 16 week training plan and you're getting ready for, let's say a half marathon. Well, the first say four weeks of your training plan, that, that might be very similar to base training. You're not doing super intense workouts. The focus is on aerobic workouts. You're building your mileage and the distance of your long run. The weightlifting needs to be similar to that. So it's almost like base training for weightlifting. We're going to be doing some basic stuff. We're building a foundation. We're not doing anything too intense right away. And we're sort of just building general competency. We're getting comfortable with the movements. And one would say that the, the main goal of this phase of weightlifting is injury prevention. You know, we're, we're sort of just getting comfortable with things and building some resiliency so that then we can go add some heavier weight. And then as our training evolves over time, that's where we can start gradually adding weight every one or two weeks. Um, most runners can typically add weight every one to two weeks if those additions are fairly reasonable, you know, maybe five or 10 pounds, you know, a couple kilograms at a time is probably the amount that we're looking for. And then over, you know, maybe the, the second half of this hypothetical 16 week period, that's when we can start adding in some things that look like really fast workouts, except we're lifting weights. So things like power movements, we're adding some explosivity to our lifting where, you know, the goal isn't just to lift heavy weight. It's really to fire up the nervous system to really uh, focus on power because that's what we want as runners. You know, you think, say you're running a 5k and you want to run the last half mile really fast. That requires the endurance to express that power. But if you don't have the power to begin with, then, you know, it doesn't really matter. You're not going to be able to, you know, really kick it in over the last 800 meters or so. So we need that combination of the endurance that we get from our running, but also the explosivity, the power and the strength that we get in the weight room from these kinds of training sessions. And then of course, you know, as we get closer to our race, we should taper things down a little bit. The volume is going to come down. You know, maybe this is, this is when our weight peaks, just like our workouts sort of peak in intensity. And um, they also just get much shorter. So we're not doing the same volume of weightlifting that we were doing two or three months prior. And we're essentially just priming our body for a peak performance. It's almost like the last workout you would do before your 5K 
probably going to be short and fast. It's not going to be super fatiguing. We're just going to be going through the motions a little bit, getting our body revving so that we're feeling good on race day. Same thing in the weight room. So that's like the broad strokes of how I think about weightlifting for runners and, and how you would generally set it up over the course of a training cycle. Um, and then of course the details is, is where, you know, a lot of coaches will have you do different things and different exercises and things like that. But generally speaking, let's periodize it. Let's progress over time. Uh, let's also make sure we're lifting with the right goals, right? Like we don't need to be bodybuilders. We don't need to be lifting, you know, sets of 40 for five sets. You know, that's just, that's lifting for endurance. We get enough of that when we're out there running and it's not going to build as much strength as power as, you know, lifting five to 10 reps. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I feel like that's a really common misconception when people are thinking about strength training for running. Cause it's like, oh, an endurance sport, I should be doing the endurance number of reps. Um, but yeah, we need the other stuff that we're not covering in running. And also something that you said made me think that might be the key missing from my 5k performance recently, my power training. I need to add it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the other, the other interesting aspect of power training is that like plyometrics will fall under this category too. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not that they necessarily help you build power, although some do, but they they more help you express your power more efficiently. Mm -hmm. So plyometrics are really going to help you get good at, you know, having a, a very fast cadence, having you like explode off the ground where your foot hits the ground and then you very quickly load your foot with all that load. And then, you know, your foot comes off the ground, you, you release some of that load, some of that tension, and you get some extra free energy from that. Plyometrics are really going to help with that aspect of your running form and just help you run much more economically. So yeah, I think the shorter distance that you're focusing on, the more you need the explosive weightlifting and the plyometrics and the power-based stuff. You know, if you're training for, let's say, a 100-mile trail race, you know, if you come out to Colorado, you're going to do the Leadville 100 trail run. You probably don't need too many plyometrics. You know, I could, I could see a program that does use them strategically, but we want to be pretty careful with that kind of work. If it's not super impactful to the overall performance of your race. That is a great segue into a question I wanted to ask you between road running and trail running. What differences do you see or recommend with strength training? Like, is there anything you'd want a trail runner to do that maybe a road runner is not as important for? Um, yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a really good question. I I've just recently been learning some of the differences between road runners and trail runners. And let me just first say that the differences are fairly small. Mm -hmm. So for most runners, I don't think you really need to pay attention to this, you know, unless you're an elite, unless you're a pro, unless you're looking for that final 1%. But it, it seems that in general, these are broad generalities, but in general, trail runners tend to be a little bit stronger and they're stronger because they're better on technical terrain. They also tend to run m many more hills. So the, the terrain that they're running on is just gnarly. And, mm -hmm. you know, as, as a fellow Colorado and you know, that if we get into the mountains, 
we can get on some just brutally hilly terrain out in the mountains. And that's going to build a lot of strength. So I actually think a trail runner may need slightly less strength training overall than a road runner. Now, a road runner is, is typically going to be a little bit more efficient than a trail runner. And that's because a road runner is just doing something that's much more repetitive. So they get better at it. Now, that probably means their injury risk might be a little bit higher, but we can save that conversation for a different day. Um, but they probably are more economical, which means that the the extra plyometric work, maybe the extra explosivity work is not going to improve their economy as much as it would for a trail runner. Now, the big question then becomes, okay, if we know these little differences between trail runners and road runners, how would you then differ their strength training? I'm not exactly sure I would make too many material differences to the actual programming with the exception of me going to the trail runner and saying, hey, if you wanted to give 95% to these heavy lifting workouts instead of 100%, I'd be okay with that. But I do want you to do the plyometrics and I want you to do you know, the, the explosive work as well as you can so that we can make you a little bit more economical. And then with the the road runner, I would say, you know, we're still going to do the plyos and stuff like that, but I really want to get you strong because I want you to just have more strength, have more power, be a little bit more resilient to injuries because, because you're more economical because you're always running on the road or the track, the risk might be a little bit higher. So it's not necessarily that the programming is too much different. It's just that you know, the trail runner maybe doesn't have to focus so much on the heavier weightlifting and the road runner might have to focus on it a little bit more, but the actual mechanics of the workout may not be very different at all. Yeah. I like that. It's basically that the basics of the strength training for each type of runner is the same. And then like you've mentioned throughout this entire conversation, like the details are where you get into it and it really depends on the specific athlete, what kind of trails are they running? What are they training for? Are they primarily a trail runner or are they like me road 90% of the time, one trail run a week? Um, all of these individual details will determine how you should tweak the strength training. But just like you're saying in general, it's kind of similar across the board with some things are weighted heavily in term or in lieu of others for certain athletes. Yeah. And the other thing that might be slightly different is like the accessory work that goes on mm -hmm. top of the main lifts. So yes, both of these types of athletes are going to be in the gym, lifting heavier weights, basically doing roughly the same kinds of weightlifting that I would have, you know, a road marathoner versus a 50 mile ultra endurance trail athlete, probably doing about the same things in the weight room. The difference would be, I may have the trail runner do a little bit more, say, balance or proprioception work. Uh, I might give them like a MOBO board, for example, where, where they can really work on, you know, driving their big toe into the ground and, and having those good movement patterns, you know, working on that kinetic chain. Uh, just because they're going to be on gnarlier terrain that is going to challenge their bodies in, in a very different way. And I would want to make sure that they have the stability, but also they've been stressing their nervous system enough that 
they don't get so fried at the end of running, you know, a technical trail for two, three, four hours that, you know, their coordination starts, starts deteriorating. You know, that's when you start tripping over your feet, tripping over rocks. That's when you can really fall and hurt yourself on a trail. Mm -hmm. So I I just want to make sure that trail runners are doing maybe a little bit more balance work for not just the benefit of more balance, but also as an additional stress on the nervous system. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And just with more balance, you're working the smaller muscles a lot more, which come out in trail running. Um, I, a lot of times after someone goes on their first trail run, they're like, I've been using muscles I never knew I had. And I'm so sore. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense if you're just running on roads until now. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah and that's probably a good, a good reason for road runners to get on the trails. Like you just said, maybe once yeah. a week twice a week if you're an overachiever, but just to just to stress the body in a slightly different way and, and get comfortable working some of those smaller supporting muscles that nevertheless, I mean, look, when we get hurt, it's usually one of those smaller supporting muscles, right? It's not like, mm-hmm. oh, I hurt my my quad or, you know, something. <laughs> it's like everyone has strong quads. It's it's usually like, oh, this little tendon in my ankle or or mm-hmm. something like that. It's usually one of the smaller little supporting muscles that we hurt. So it's a good idea to stress and train all those little supporting muscles, whether it's balance drills, using something like the MOBO board or going on a trail run. No, you're just changing the stress a little bit. And and I think if you want to be a more resilient runner, you should be able to thrive on the trail, on the road, on the track, wherever you might be running. Yeah. And that diversity will just make it more fun for you. So you'll probably do it longer um, training wise and can get you out of a rut. The changing up the surface can be good if you're prone for injuries. There's just a lot of benefits. Yeah, for sure. I, I just uh, recorded a video where I was talking about, you know, what do you do if you just don't want to go do your long run, which is something that happens to me every once in a while. So I'm like creating content for myself. <laughs> And it's like, one of the best things you can do is just go run in a beautiful place that you've never run in before. Like give yourself that novelty because all of a sudden you're not going to be counting the steps or counting down the miles that you have to go. You're going to be looking around. You're going to be enjoying it. You're just going to be just loving the natural environment that you're in. And I think that's, that's a good reason to, uh, to do that. So this begs the question, what do you do during this time of year in Colorado specifically when it's raining every other Thursday, which makes the trails all be closed? What do you do in those situations when you're dreading your long run and the pretty places are not accessible because we don't want to ruin the trails? That's a good question. So if (laughs) I can't get on the trails, I will just suck it up and run somewhere (laughs) where I would rather not run. Now, the good news about me living in Denver is that I do a lot of what I'll call urban trail running. And so I love getting on any kind of softer, more variable surface rather than say a road or a sidewalk. So I will run in a lot of the major parks in Denver and I'll also do the major boulevards. So I guess a boulevard is technically a street that has like a giant median in the center of it. And this is something I've learned recently too. I'm not even sure if I'm right on that, but Many of many of these roads have this huge median here in Denver, and the median's literally like four or five car lengths wide, and people walk their dogs on here, and I, I go running there, and, and it's great because I can basically run on this well-worn trail down a giant grass strip uh, down the road, 
and it's wonderful because I'm I'm sort of trail running. I'm getting in a little bit of that variability. It's easier for me mentally to run on something like that than just mm-hmm. on the sidewalk where I'm constantly running up and down on the curbs and that's just annoying for me. So I will try to do that when when the trails are a wreck and and I don't want to just completely rut them out. <laughs> Those are great tips. I always struggle this time of year when I want to be on the trail and I'm sick of the road, but we must be good citizens and preserve the trails. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Cool. Well, we've been talking for an hour and as a wrap up, one thing I think that helps with getting into the strength training habit is physically writing it down. And I know that you just created a journal. So can you tell me a bit about that? I did. Yes. The performance training journal is something I've been working on for, it feels like almost a year. I I think it's, I think it's roughly nine months. So this is like my little baby that I've, I've nurtured for the last nine months and it's finally ready to birth to the world. Um, (laughs) I have always loved keeping a hard copy training journal ever since I started running way back in the nineties. That makes me sound really old, but (laughs) when I started running back in 98, I used a training journal and it was something that I kept on the coffee table or on my desk. And every day there would just be that empty blank space where your day is. And I loved sitting down at the end of the day and just writing in whatever I did for training. And over time, you start developing such a a much more keen understanding of your training, what you respond to, what you don't respond to, the things that get you injured. When you're feeling really good, you can look back on the last couple of weeks or months of your training and be like, why do I feel so good? How did I just run this enormous breakthrough PR? And then almost like a detective, you can look for these clues. And I don't think it's as possible to do this if you have a digital training log. So if you're just uploading stuff to Strava, even if you're, you know, fancy and you pay for like the the upgraded Strava and you can really go into detail on some of those metrics, the thing that's lacking in that is any sort of reflection. It's just writing down, how did I feel? What happened today? Where did I run? Who did I run with? You know, what was my goal for the day? And one of the things I've done in this training log is create a space where it's called kudos, just like on Strava, except this is a place for you to give yourself kudos, which you actually can't do on Strava it's true. because there's really good psychology research to show that when you reflect on what's going well, what you're proud of, what you feel excited about accomplishing, even just giving yourself a little bit of a pat on the back, if you do that regularly, it has an outsized impact on your confidence, on your motivation, on your self-efficacy, on you believing that you can go and do something. And, you know, I'm, I was really impressed with this idea. You know, I had uh, Kara Goucher on my podcast a little while back, and, and she was talking about a sports psychologist that she worked with, and she was instructed to do this after every single run, to write down some positive thing about the run that she would then feel good about. And it's just incredible because when you look back on that, if you're coming up on this major marathon and you look back and you're, okay, I got these pages and I'm looking at them like, wow, I am ready. I am prepared. I am reading in my own words how ready and prepared I am. And and I don't think 
there's any better cheerleader for yourself than you, especially when it's a little bit like objective. It's not like you're sitting there and you're telling yourself how great you are. No, this is like you from weeks ago. This is you from months ago. And, and that act of reflection, of, of learning more about what you respond to and just being kind to yourself over time is such a surefire way of accelerating your progress. Um, the other thing that I did with this journal is that it's really focused on performance. It's focused on you improving. And we talked earlier about how, you know, just because you're not a pro runner doesn't mean you're, you're not a performance oriented runner. It's just anyone who wants to get better, improve, do something they've never done before. You're a performance oriented runner. So in the performance training journal, we have really focused on a long-term perspective on the metrics that matter. So yes, I talk about running high mileage. I talk about how that's important. You are never going to be the marathoner that you think you can be on 25 miles a week. We've got to get you running more. And so one of the simple ways that I like to get runners to think more long-term is instead of thinking about weekly mileage, which is very pretty, pretty much the only way in which runners typically think about mileage, let's think in terms of monthly mileage. Let's think in terms of annual mileage. You know, I love asking athletes, when was the last time you set an annual mileage record? Because the, the interesting thing about this is that it's far easier than you think to set an annual mileage PR than it is to set a weekly mileage PR. Because the weekly mileage PR is like, it's like a sprint. I only got seven days. I'm going to try to cram as much running as I can. And as many runners know, that's usually how you get hurt. But if mm -hmm. you spread that mileage out over a much longer time period, you're going to be injured less. You're also going to be more motivated because all of a sudden you are going to be running weekly mileage PRs, but it's in a way that is much more sustainable over time. So I was very intentional with structuring this training journal as number one, it's got to be hard copy. This is not a digital thing. So you can go on Amazon, you can, you can buy the journal, it'll be shipped to you and you'll be able to hold it in your hand. The other thing is that I wanted it to be performance oriented and have this long-term perspective. So I hope runners enjoy it. It's just sort of this, this labor of love. I don't know if you use video on your podcasts, but here's a proof version of it. <laughs> Super excited about it. And uh, yeah, if you want to check it out, it's on Amazon right now. Perfect. I'll link it in the show notes. I'm very excited for it. I love a hard copy journal. And I think I use training peaks as a coach and I, as an athlete, and it's just, it feels so hard to reflect in, on, in the digital calendar. It just like, for some reason for me, like there's a disconnect. It doesn't really make sense to me. Like I can see, you know, here's all my green boxes. Here's what I did these days, but it doesn't quite tell the story like a hard copy does when you're writing it down every day. Well, I think in today's day and age, right, it's 2023, many of us are on our phone or on a computer so much that mm -hmm. it's almost a welcomed break to, to not be on a computer. You know, like I'm on the computer so much for work when I'm doing my running stuff for me personally, I don't really want to be sitting here on my computer. Like I, I want that, that slower act of reflection and sometimes more screen time is just a recipe for more anxiety. So getting away from the screen, having a journal where you can just look at it, you can, you can write in it, 
I always recommend pencil because then you can erase it and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't smudge or anything and you can always make some edits. And, um, it's just a really nice way of slowing down, thinking a little bit more deeply and strategically about your training. And you'd be really surprised what you end up learning about yourself. If you give it like six months, it's just really, uh, a, a journey that I've been on for a very long time that I just want to share with others because right now, you know, I have, I have a whole bookshelf of these hard copy, you know, notebooks, these training journals that I've had since 1998. And I got to tell you, they're some of my most prized possessions. I absolutely love my training journals. And, you know, I, I included a couple example weeks in here from my own training and I purposefully like left things in here exactly as they were in my training log. So it's like, it's like literally, you know, oh, I, I drank five beers at my own party because this <laughs> is something I tracked way back in 2002. Cause I was just curious if this was going to have an impact like on my training. And it, it, it was just, it's just almost like a diary. You go back there and you get this glimpse into this time period of your life that maybe you haven't thought of for a really long time. So, you know, if my house was burning down, it'd be like the box of training journals that that I would get. And, and then I might go back in for my kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm just trying to say that, that after a while, these become very important to you as a runner. And I'm just so glad that I have them. Yeah. And as I was telling you before we started recording, I have mine from college and I love looking back and like, oh my God, this time of my life, it was such a cool time. And I'm glad I have this, these training logs I can look back on and see like, oh, these are the workouts I was doing. Like, how the heck did I do that? And then like the notes you make, how you felt, what was going on. It's just really special. Yeah. I do funny things. Like I I used to always write down like who I saw when I was out running, like in my hometown. And so now I look back and I'm like, oh, that actually has forced me to remember this run. I'm like, oh yeah, I saw that person and and that was weird. I hadn't seen them in years. And <laughs> now I just, it's almost like a, a really nice way of, of making you have a better memory. Mm-hmm. And it's just really special when you look back on things. Yeah. Well, cool. I will link that. Thank you so much for coming on, Jason. This is a great episode. I think everyone will get a lot from this. Um, where can everyone find you in your various places on the internet? So I am a little bit all over the internet. Um, I am probably best known for strengthrunning.com. That is my home base. That's where you can find all the different core and strength routines that we talked about today here on the pod. Um, I think all of them are free um, and, and runners can just plug those into your training. Uh, the strength running podcast is the name of my podcast. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel. So if you prefer video, I do uh, a weekly video on all kinds of different running topics, but, um, yeah, no, Kelly, I I just want to say thanks to you. I, uh, did you know that when we first started talking on the final day of Endeavor run, I was totally fried from being just on for days and days and, and I hadn't been getting a lot of sleep. But Jake, the CEO, was like, you got you got to just, you know, go make the campers last day, you know, memorable. And I remember going up to you being like, oh, I don't think we've actually met. I'm Jason. And we started talking and you're like, hey, I have a podcast. And I was like, oh, God, I'm so glad I started talking to you. Now we get to 
talk some shop and talk podcasting. So it was, it was great to finally connect on the last day. I wish it could have been sooner. I know. I, I feel like I've talked about that retreat so much. And one of the things I took away from it was like the first half of the retreat, I went into it. I don't know like if a chip on my shoulder is the right way to say it, but like I wasn't fully bought into it. And like, I don't want to say I didn't care about connecting with people, but I did not make an effort to connect with people. Um, so I was really glad on the last day when you came up to me because things had turned around for me at that point and I was much more receptive to talking to other people, um, the other Endeavor Run participants and coaches. So yeah, I really enjoyed our conversation then and I'm so thankful you came on here. I Honestly, I was a little nervous to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> that always strikes me as hilarious because <laughs> I, I don't usually say no to any podcast appearance. <laughs> I... Just, I don't know. I feel like I'm a little intimidated by you, so I was nervous to ask you. Why are you intimidated by me? That's so fascinating for me to hear. <laughs> I think just because you have such this presence in the running world and you know so much, and I'm like so new. I don't know. It's like you're one of my role models, you know? <laughs> Checks in the mail, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. That That means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. Um, this was not scripted. We didn't, nope. we didn't plan this at a time. <laughs> Nothing on my podcast is scripted. All real. <laughs> That's a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to this. If you like this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review everything you do for podcasts, wherever you listen to them. It helps me out immensely and helps other people find the show and just spread my message. And if you haven't already, connect with me on Instagram or TikTok at Coaching Klutz. You can also find me at my website, coachingklutz.com, if you're looking for my coaching services or any of my running programs. And I will talk to you all next time. 